Guru Nation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Thank you so much. Leave a review. I wanted to also thank my sponsors who make this show possible. The first one is Viva Sight Vault. Absolutely free. By the way, links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. Viva Sight Vault. If you are a site and you wanted to dip your toe into going digital and for e-reg and to start messing around with e-signatures, this is the way to go. They are the biggest name in our industry from a tech vendor standpoint. They're site-centric. They make this easy for us, guys and gals. And it's absolutely free. Sites.viva.com. Check it out. I use it. I also use Versatrail, which is my next sponsor. Versatrail has made my life so easy as a coordinator from an organization standpoint. Links to all these portals are in one easy place. You can literally link to anything you can think of, whether it's a protocol or it's the latest informed consent form or it's the IRT or it's the vendor to upload this or the other vendor to upload that. It's all there in one easy place. Not to mention, they do a lot on the feasibility side, which makes feasibility surveys a breeze. Check it out. This is a company that is going places. Versatrail. My next sponsor is Creo. I've been using Creo for years. They are eSource and eReg and CTMS and patient database and eConsent and so many more other things. And while they are not free, I definitely think it is worth the price for what you are getting. It has streamlined my research studies and my site, and I got all my coordinators trained on it, and I could not picture running my site without Creo. So check it out. Link in the show note. Finally, Inato, a free service for business development. Go figure. Link in the show note. It makes figuring out what studies you want easier. It makes figuring out what you're going to get if you accept the study super simple. And it really streamlines the process for knowing what's out there on the market. You can use it for as many investigators as you have. And again, it's absolutely free in Nato. Also in the show notes are links to the businesses I own, specifically DSCS, where we help sites get studies, do their contracts, help you with surveys, anything else you can think of, a shoulder to cry on, low monthly fee. And then we have the CRA, CRC Academies and everything else live 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 guru nation we are live guys happy juneteenth um haven't really been on linkedin much been busy doing a podcast earlier couple client calls checking some emails but i see the post on linkedin linkedin is very important these days guys and gals karina is a testament of that karina ordonia somebody that's I've been interacting with on LinkedIn uh, for a year and a half now. Um, And you've been through quite some uh, job movements. As the title of this live stream suggests, okay, I mean, you were recently laid off during the care access. We'll just get the elephant out of the room out of the way first. So you were one of the people impacted by the care access layoffs. That's right. But you were able to through networking and the fact that you did have experience pre-care access i think was important for you because care access did hire a lot of entry-level people and i think for some of those people i don't know some of them are your colleagues you might know better than me but they're gonna have a harder time finding jobs i think the fact that you had the academic experience before care access and a private practice it looked like a private practice research site prior to it really helped you like when i looked when you reached out to me after that i knew that you would be okay mm-hmm. uh and you are <laughs> yeah, <thank> uh, you. <laughs> how long did it take though like they, so maybe walk us through that and then we'll go backwards and talk about your career too okay so walk you through the layoff the of- whole care access fiasco because that's what people want to hear first and then we'll get yeah. that spicy stuff out of the way and then go to like the career stuff okay 
Um, yeah, so I was laid off uh, January 19th. Uh, still remember the day. And, wow, you remember the day. Yeah, the time, yeah, around 11-ish. <laughs> Six months ago, exactly. Is it already? It's June 19th. Oh, my, oh my goodness, I hadn't noticed that. Wow. wow. So, yeah. Um, gosh. Wow. That Care Access thing seemed like a lot more recent than I guess the year flew by. Um, I think from what I hear, there had been uh, different um, layoffs previously to mm. January. Um, I wasn't aware of that until it impacted me. Um, and I do want to say that uh, being a previous Care Access employee, um, my experience was very positive with them. Um, I was very happy. Uh, my, my role, um, I was very happy with my team. And um, I hoped to be there as long as they would have me. Um, always felt supported, had great training. Um, so my experience was very, very positive. Um, and I understand that, you know, organizations go through restructurings, um, but I was laid off and it was very, um, no notice. So, you know, of course that. No that's notice. So it's just day <laughs> of. Somebody the, called you the day of somebody called you and said, Hey, we yeah. have a meeting. Yeah. I, I wish I would have had more notice. Um, you know, I understand business is business, but more notice would have been great, especially when you have a family, um, you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's difficult, you know? Uh, but anyways, um, laid off. And after I got through the initial shock, uh, which lasted a, about a week, um, I started applying, 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 revamped my resume, um, started kind of looking to see what fields I wanted or, well, I know what field, but what types of positions I wanted to apply to. And I applied to research assistant roles. Um, I was focusing uh, only on remote roles because I was working remotely um, with Care Access and that. I love working remotely. For so you, I, it was important to be able to work remotely, no travel because of the kids. Right, right. Yeah, very important. Yeah, and just everything, you know, the commute, um, the time you spend commuting and getting ready in the morning. I, I didn't want to deal with all of that. So um, I was work, looking for strictly remote roles, and I realized that it would be in research in general, it's very competitive, right? And uh, for example, I have been in the industry four years, and I realized that if uh, an applicant has eight years of experience, they have an upper hand, right? And um, then if I factor in the fully remote, yeah, thing, then it's more competitive. So I, I was feeling a little uneasy. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, feeling nervous, but you know, you had you just have to keep going and applying and uh, revamping your resume. Who yeah. helped you with the resume, or did you just do it on your own? On my own. On your own. So you knew enough to be able to do. Like, what did you do to when you when you say revamped? Can you break it down, like maybe some specifics of what you did? Yeah, so I had my resume previously that I had used to apply to that position, and I paid for a, you know, those online resume uh, yep. services. Was it Novo resume? What's that? I don't know. Was it Novo? Novo resume? I used to no, use it that. No. Okay. No, um, it was another one, but I paid, and that way... Actually, I didn't pay for it until after like two months of rejections because then I realized I needed to do, to do something <laughs> different. So I started um, just Googling and looking at little videos of what I could do to better my resume, right? So I started putting in um, a summary. I tailored my summary or my purpose of my resume, what I'm looking for. And I added in lots and lots of words that were fluff words. And I didn't know at the time. I just thought, you know, the more fluff I put in there, the better it'll make me, make me look. And so hopefully it'll catch somebody's eyes. Did it work? No, it didn't work, no. So fluff words don't work. What do you mean by fluff? Like, let's break it down. So fluff words, um, my This is like a class in resume prep right here by someone who just did it guys and gals 
pay attention. Fluff words. In my summary, right, I had lots of several sentences, like a full paragraph. And instead of focusing only on um, the hard facts of like my experience, my education, uh, the indications I worked in, I added a lot of like uh, very motivated uh, clinical research coordinator, uh, passionate, uh, hardworking, things like that, you know, <laughs> that I thought, and I feel those are true of myself, of course, but when right. you are applying, um, I guess it's okay to emphasize some of that, but like, don't base your summary only on all of those fluff words because it, yeah, people don't know me, you know what I mean? They don't it know me. It makes sense. Like the people, yeah. uh, first of all, everyone thinks they can be hardworking, even <laughs> if they eventually are not. They everyone is puts what they everyone puts what they're like on their best day, and everyone's capable of a hardworking day. So everybody ends up putting that, and those words get diluted um, a lot. So okay, so took out the fluff, and instead, you included what? Um, so later, I included, and this is where I, at some point I want to tell you about who I met and how that person okay. helped me. Um, but I was using my resume with all these fluff words and my resume was very long because I think at every position I had been in, I had lots of points, like lots of my job description was very long. So I think initially my resume was pretty lengthy and it wasn't helping me out. And I'm thinking to myself, like the more I put in there so they can see my experience and my, you know, what I know, the better that's going to be for me. Right. Um, so I applied, applied, and I started receiving uh, a lot of rejection emails. And uh, this went on for several weeks and then several months. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, I was thinking to myself, like, this isn't working for me, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I did manage to get a few interviews, I will say that, but not many, right? What and happened in those interviews? The interviews, I was very nervous for some of them because I was just thinking to myself, um, I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the job. Mm -hmm. And really your, um, how you approach something really does show through, right? So I think I was just very nervous and thinking, I'm not going to get this job. And I want this job so bad that what if, if I don't get it, like what's going to happen? And I think I bombed a few interviews because I wasn't prepared. Um, I wasn't ready to answer questions like when they ask you, um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And Wow, you bombed those kind of questions. You were nervous. Very, very nervous. Very nervous. Because most people bomb like the specific questions, you know, like what kind of EDC systems did you use and Stuff like that. When they know you're experienced, right? But the ones that, like, tell me about yourself. I don't know. I guess they're, like, icebreakers or they're meant to get a sense of who you are and what you want to do in this industry. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, just, and I don't know why this time around being on the job market, um, I, it felt more challenge, like more of a challenge to me than previously when I've interviewed I don't know why, maybe because it was a layoff and it was unexpected. It's layoff season, you know, like yeah. they're, the hiring frenzy is kind of over. Um, everyone's looking for experience now, but that's why I was saying you were okay because <laughs> you did have that experience. See, at the experience level, like two years or more, mm -hmm. there's still a tremendous demand right the problem with like people that are getting laid off like let's say and i'm not really seeing like cra's getting laid off but people definitely from companies similar to care access like these dct type of companies mm -hmm. um they only had like nine months of experience so mm -hmm. the job market for that has sizzled or used to be sizzling now it's like kind of cooled off and it's still possible to get a job, but they're going to have to go like to sites or CROs and do like in-house CRA. If you can study startup mm -hmm. in a way, it's like an unusual job market. I think this is more like a normal job market 
actually, because I've been through the ups and downs of the industry. But just a year ago, it was like sizzling hot. Like anyone <laughs> applying is, if you interview well, like decent, they would hire you. Like that's basically what Care Access's MO. I see. So you think like if you had to do it again, how would you have done it? Like just be less nervous? How would you have made yourself less nervous? Or like what would you have done differently? So definitely I would reach out to uh, a professional for some coaching, um, resume assistance, and interview coaching for sure. Because, again, I, I wasn't really prepared for the interviews and the questions that I would be asked. Um, you know, you only have a certain number of uh, time, like a certain number of minutes, like 30 minutes maybe to present yourself to this person who's seeing, I don't know how many candidates, and you want to make sure that what you're saying is like, uh, that you're really expressing your um, experience and your education and what you want out of this role, right? What And letting them know that you are really interested in growing with the company and things like that. But in my case, I guess I let in the beginning, uh, just my nervousness get in the way and not being able to fully express the were, things that were important. So were, were these interviews that you did get, were these um, like with CROs or who were they with? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't get any with CROs. Uh, no interviews with CROs. Okay. There were some um, like smaller research firms. And um, I did interview with some like recruitment, recruitment um, vendors that were like doing recruitment, things like that. Okay. But and then I, you mentioned I, that uh, I, I tried to put you in touch with James Fowl. Um, I think everyone who's in your range, like you had more than two years, your profile, you had a, like at least four years, maybe five years of research experience uh, at this time. So you were like in that sweet spot where recruiters love you because you have like the raw skill set and you have the experience. It's just a matter of a recruiter working with you and, uh, Someone like James Fowl, what were your experience with uh, James Fowl and the Huxley Martin people? Um, yeah, so I actually reached out to you because I, I was thinking to myself, there's, I need to do something differently. My method, my strategy isn't being effective. I, I was about, I guess I was in like two and a half or three months in uh, prior to the layoff. And I reached out to you. Uh, messaged you on LinkedIn and you were pretty prompt to respond, which I'm very grateful for. And you answered a few questions and then you suggested that I reach out to James. And I had, um, I reached out to him. I was following him, but was not connected to him. But I sent him a message asking him, you know, if he did resume assist, you know, just asked him if he would uh, help me out and what what services he provided. He was really responsive um, immediately. I think immediately he responded and he sent me a link to talk to him. Um, I was thinking it was a call, but it ended up being like a, you know, a video, a mm -hmm. video chat. And I don't even know what time it was where he is at. <laughs> uh, it's eight hour. I think from the East coast, London is like six hours or seven hours different. So, okay. Just add um, six to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, but he was he, such a nice guy. He sent me that link, and I we got on the call. It was a 30-minute slot, and he was a really nice guy. Uh, let me just say from somebody who's been following him and kind of seeing, like, the a little bit of what he does and the people he interviews, you know, interviewing CEOs and just mm -hmm. people that are very high up there in the industry. I, I just wasn't expecting him to be so down to earth, um, but he was uh, very gracious. He looked at my resume, um, told me what he thought I needed to modify. Um, my summary section, basically I ended up getting rid of all of it because it was just fluff. <laughs> Um, Did he and, tell you that? Like he he brought that up that hey, this is too much fluff or um, he, yeah, he but he said, you know, all of these words, he said, um, 
a lot of the, don't you think a lot of the coordinators that are applying have this already? They're hardworking, they're detail oriented. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I'm saying even on their best day, like as someone who hires coordinators, and if I had a site in, in Fafftown, North Carolina, Puff-town. I'd hire, I'd hire, what is it called? It's Pofftown. Oh, Poff, my bad. Uh, <laughs> okay. Pofftown. I, I mean, I would hire someone like you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone, like even every coordinator on their best day is hardworking. But how do we know who Karina is yeah. every day? Not just on the best day, because everyone's resume is their best day. Um, But, you know, one thing James told me that stuck out to me, and I was on two pod, I was on his podcast, he was on mine, and then we were both on someone else's podcast once. Those are my only interactions with him. But I know enough from those to know he's like the dude that people need to talk to that are in your range of expertise. Um, He said the average recruiter looks at a resume. For two seconds, two seconds, wow! And they see all the fluff words. Mm-hmm. So you're. I'm glad you brought that up because that I think way too many people do that. Um, I think people underestimate the amount of applicants for each job. Like they just think, oh, it's gonna be me and like three more people. No, that's not. <laughs> like there's there's probably a couple hundred for every job. Uh, where did you find these jobs to apply to? Was it LinkedIn primarily or like all over the place? So a lot on LinkedIn. I purchased one, uh, like LinkedIn, um, the paid subscription. Premium? Oh, you got premium? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I um, got that premium subscription that same, probably that same week or about two weeks after I was laid off. And I started um, sending, you can tailor it to where it'll send you the different jobs that are being posted. So I'd get all those. Um, would, you, would you keep it or did you just use it for the time and get rid of it? Or like, do you think that somebody should, was it worth it basically? I think it was. I think it was because you can see who's been viewing your profile. You have a certain number of in-mail <laughs> <laughs> metiches, metiches. Metiches. But yeah, I was a metiche too. So. <laughs> and you can set it to where you are uh, viewing people's profiles privately so they won't know. Um, right. <laughs> I kept it and I actually stopped the subscription, I think yesterday or today, I can't remember, was my okay. last day because I had okay. paid it already. But I said there's no need now. Uh, anyway, I don't think there's a need. Um, Right, right. But I would say it was worth it, yes. Mm-hmm. So from January, what, January 19th, you get the news. Mm-hmm. Today's June 19th. Again, happy Juneteenth, everybody watching. Six months exactly. Okay, so six months. to, And what you got hired just recently, like a week ago, right? Yes. Um, I accepted a new role and started Monday of last week. With uh, can you do you feel comfortable naming who it is, or do people just look on your LinkedIn? Maybe they can look at my LinkedIn. All right. It is a um, I know who it is, they're good people. Yeah, I recommend them as well. In addition to Huxley Martin, um, right. they're very reputable, they've been around, they're longer than I've been around in research. <laughs> they've been they've been here. So, you went through the six months, you went through the the lows. Five months? Okay, five months, I guess, yeah. Uh, You know, it's felt like an eternity, so. (laughs) I I guess, how did you get through the worst of the times, you know? Like, and when were the worst times? Like, right after you got laid off, or was it, like, three months in, where it was like, ah, you know, it's just not working, or did you ever get enough hope to, like, just keep you going? Like, what was your mentality during this five months? Um, so initially, that first week was just shock and uh, not sure. You're just in shock the first week. Um, but I was trying to remain hopeful and thinking, you know, I've, I have about four, year, four years experience. You know, I don't think it'll be hard to find another role. And um, then... About a month in, I was starting to get a little worried because I'm 
just seeing that I'm applying and with LinkedIn Premium, you could see the number of applicants for a particular position. And it would be up there like 300, 400. I'm telling you, it's like hundreds per job. People underestimate this stuff. Yeah. And and, I mean, you just think I'm just one of hundreds and, you know, are they even going to see my resume? Um, Just so many thoughts. So I had, I tried remaining like very hopeful and optimistic throughout the whole, this whole period, but there were days when it was just Um, you start to feel defeated a little bit because we start to see the emails coming in with rejection, rejections, right? And sometimes the the rejections come in immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it takes weeks or maybe even a month and they're just pouring in and you just have these moments where you're thinking to yourself, like, am I ever going to find a job? Am I going to go into year one without a job? So I had my little moments throughout that whole time that I was laid off where I was feeling um, a little, not a little, very discouraged, right? Yeah. But I did um, start to view, um, I know you've done some podcast about, and you post like these little three minute or uh, these videos, just with advice, I would look at those and um, try to put that stuff into uh, perspective, you know, just. Did you networking. do like any networking? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up right now. Networking with other researchers, like networking. I did start networking. I started adding um, a lot of people in the industry. Um, I started commenting on posts that people would put out there, and um, with that, I started receiving more uh, requests to connect with me from people in the industry, mm-hmm. and I did. Um, I was able to actually make a really good friendship with somebody that I met through LinkedIn, uh, this lady uh, who's in the research industry. And she was very, very encouraging to me. She, um, we actually talked on the phone a lot, uh, but I just felt like it was, um, I don't know, just something about having somebody to connect with that's in the industry uh, was very encouraging to me. Yeah. So LinkedIn and I've, I know you, uh, from being very active on the comments and mm-hmm. on the live streams. and um, Do you ever join the Latinos in Clinical Research meetups? I, I don't I know if I asked you that. been on one, and I did connect with several people from Latinos. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah, I, I did think you I... ever Did you ever consider, like, uh, working at a site since you had the research coordinator experience, like, locally? Even though it's not remote, but mm-hmm. you don't have to travel at least? consider working at a site yeah like just working mm-hmm. like finding a like a you know a regular research clinic nearby and just like was that your plan b and if you mm-hmm. couldn't get a job like remotely fully it, remote yeah i held off as long as i could to apply i applied to one on-site position and it was a uh, regulatory assistant role but uh, that was the only on-site role that i applied to because i was focused only on remote roles and they passed up on you? Big they mistake. Big had... mistake, guys. Big mistake. So they had two positions up. <laughs> I know. And when you start to see those rejections pour in, you're like, what is wrong? Like, Did you at least get interviewed by them? No. <laughs> wow. Someone's asleep at the wheel. You guys don't know Karina. But, Karina's yeah. active on these LinkedIn's. Okay. Well, they miss out. You know, yeah. they missed out, but it worked out in the, in the end, it worked out best for you. And you're getting a lot of people here saying, congrats. Um, Mark says, good to see you, Karina. Glad he landed a job. You know, Mark. Hey, Steve. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I Steve. My bad. He puts it right there. Steve, Steve. Yeah. Uh, and then Amanda says they had more layoffs, care access since January. I'm glad you found the job. Uh, and then this live came just in time for me from Thaisa. Thank you. Uh, congrats. So a lot of people on um, you held out and you got the job you wanted. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? And maybe before that, what was the process like to get this job? Like, how did they vet you? How did you find it? Uh, 
and like the whole process? So after speaking to James Fowl, um, he gave me a lot of feedback from my resume. Um, so I took notes when I was talking to him and he kind of looked at my LinkedIn profile also and gave me a few tips. So after I got off the call with him, I uh, worked on that. And I also reached out to him a few times after that um, about like interview questions and he sent me just encouraging messages. And I think that played a big factor in me landing this particular job. Um, after I revamped my resume, I applied to several jobs. And I realized, you know, that regulatory was an area that I have been wanting to explore for a while because I've, I've been a coordinator, um, an assistant first and then a, re a coordinator at the site level. But I was always interested in regulatory. And I thought to myself, you know, what if I start to apply to regulatory roles, like kind of entry level roles? So I saw this particular role and um, I looked at the job description. If I would have let myself be... Um, like the title, right? If I looked at this particular title, regulatory reporting specialist, I would have said, the old me would have said, you know, that I've never had that particular title, so don't apply to that one. But I clicked on that description, mm. read what the experience and education was that they were looking for. Um, and then I looked at the description of what the, the job role would be. And even though I hadn't done all of the things that they were listing, um, you know, some of the things that I'm familiar with um, because I've been in research and then the education and experience I had about maybe 85, 90 percent of the qualifications. So I said, I'm going to apply. And um, they responded. Let's see. They responded and scheduled an interview. And I was very excited. It just felt like it was too good to be true, but um, they responded. I, I spoke with the- um, Like right away? I, did they, where did you apply first of all? Was it LinkedIn directly or? Uh... LinkedIn and it took me to another link. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. and, and then how quickly after the application? Website. Yeah, how, how quickly after the application did they reply back the first time? Approximate, okay. approximate. Ah, I think it was like maybe less than two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's encouraging because if people, I know people mm -hmm. are out there watching in similar situation, maybe they're anxious, like, oh, I just applied. It's a day later. I haven't heard back. Yeah. Like, it's not, doesn't take that quick to get a reply, right? It takes like two weeks. For this one, yes. For this yeah. one. For others, because I applied to over 100, I, I stopped counting. <laughs> I, I would still get uh, rejections like a month after. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who knows? You still might be getting uh, replies now, <laughs> now that you are where you are. Yeah. Um, okay. So I interviewed with them, and, and this was after I had been through several rounds of interviews. So at this point, I have already done my homework. I um, had spoken to James Fowl. I had seen some of the posts that they are putting on LinkedIn. I started viewing some of your videos, too, that you've put on there. Yes. You put a lot of content on there. I've been following you for several years, and you Thank put you. a lot of content out there about interviewing for clinical research, um, just interviewing in general, and some of the questions that you'll be asked. And the I think you had said, like, the STAR method or something. Yeah, um, situation so task. I learned that from our CRA Academy, Tiffany tiffany bennett who taught me that um 10 years ago maybe that they're still using it right the star or um, they use it without telling you they're like hey yeah. give me a situation uh or so how did that go like the so you were prepared you studied this company you oh, yes. and then how did the interview go like the, how many interviews were there was it just one there was two, one with the um, recruitment uh, firm. This is a uh, life sciences recruiting firm. So Very I, reputable. Maybe the most reputable in the industry. Oh, really? 
Yep, yep. Um, yeah, the really good experience um, with dealing with that initial interview and um, lots of communication with them. And then they scheduled a call, an interview with the team who I would be contracting with because I'm working, I'm hired through, the, through them, but I'm contracted to work for one of their clients, which is a awesome company that I'm just very excited to be, uh, have the opportunity to work with. So I interviewed with them. Uh, they had three, three ladies on the interview. Three. Um, wait, wait. So your first interview had three ladies on it? So my first interview with their client, yes. It was a okay. one interview. Okay. <laughs> so the first interview, just the first one in general, was with this very reputable life science recruitment firm. Mm -hmm. They wanted to make sure they're not going to look bad putting you in front of these three ladies for the second interview. That's like the purpose of that one. Yeah. All right. So, so then that second one, how long would that last with three, three ladies on a zoom three um, and a fourth is you. It sounds like a good podcast title. What, how did that, um, how did that go? Um, so I was still nervous, but I, <laughs> I'd be nervous on that one too. But you know what? I think all of the bad things that happen to us lead us to this point in time and everything has a purpose or we can learn from all of the good and the bad. So the bad interviews that I had that I feel I bombed helped me to this particular interview because I had done my homework. I had recorded myself like I have lots of videos where I've recorded myself answering all these questions that I knew they could ask me and then um, I felt better prepared. So now I'm, I know what to say, even though I'm nervous, like I could express myself because I've, I've kind of gone through, um, gone through that, that question already and kind of prepared ahead of time, right? So there's lots and lots of questions they could ask me, but I've practiced. And I think this interview lasted it, maybe 30, 35 minutes um, around there, but it was three uh, ladies on there. Uh, I was interviewed by mainly one of them, but then there was questions from the other two. I think they were, you know, probably higher ups wanting to just kind of give a second eye and see if I was the right candidate uh, because I might want a bad, a job, like a role really bad, but and it, I might feel like it's a match for me, but then they have to make sure that I'm a match for them, right? And maybe That's the right. other roles that I was interviewed for, I wasn't what they were looking for. So, um, right. which is fine, you know, and um, it all worked out. Uh, I received an offer pretty quickly, um, or I was told pretty quickly that, you know, they wanted to extend an offer. And How quickly was it after that scary interview with the three ladies? I'd say within 24 hours they had. Wow, they see when they find you, they move fast. Yeah, so I was very grateful, and um, I. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Congrats. This is um, Patty says si se puede. This is really encouraging, yeah. and the congrats and thank you for sharing. This happens for a reason. Julissa says when one door closes, another better opens. Congrats. Just the beginning. I, I agree. And then mm -hmm. here's Yolanda says, I agree with you, Lisa. Y todo llega en su momento for the best. Exactamente. Lo creo. Todo llega su momento. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, are you working on regulatory studies startup or maintenance, says Kelvin. So I actually am in a field that's different from research. It is in regulatory, but this is post-market. Post-marketing, yep. This is a new industry for me. Um, How do you like it so far? I know it's only a week, but... Oh, I love it. I love it. I it's love pretty it. similar to research, though. Like, aren't they doing a lot of, like, uh, like post-observational data collections and stuff like that? It's basically research. Well, um, it's reporting, uh, reporting certain... Um, we will receive certain reports and fill out forms to send out to like the uh, health authorities. Um, so it's, it's okay. different for me, but I could see where having that 
clinical research background has come in handy. Oh, uh, yeah. And sure, the fact sure. that you are getting that sponsor side experience, I mean, that's who you're working for technically as a sponsor, right? Like that's going to be invaluable further because your yeah. career is just getting started, like Yolanda said or like Julissa said. Um, Justin's asking, is it contract to full-time? Um, so it is a contract role. It is a contract role. So we have a set time frame designated and I'm aware of that time frame. And I accepted it because I'm very interested in the experience that I will get out of this particular role. And there's no guarantee that there will be an extension. Um, I'm hoping there will be. Uh, but if there isn't, you know, um, uh, I'm okay with that. Um, the there will, there will be, because I know, well, I would bet that there would be based on the sponsor, their mm -hmm. big sponsor. And even if there's not, you're getting now, because I'm looking at your LinkedIn. Everybody, oh, by the way, go connect with Karina on her LinkedIn. Um, you have coordinator experience at a private site. You have coordinator experience at a big site. You have coordinator experience at an academic medical center. You have coordinator experience at care access, which is DCT. Whether it fail or not doesn't matter. It's a DCT. That technology is not going anywhere. And now you're getting sponsor side experience. So, I mean, you're just racking up that experience, building up your CV. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to need to do any fluff on your CV yeah. the next time around, but they're, they'll oh, resign cool. you. They'll resign you. Yeah. Uh, the, let's see. Oh, Patty says free training through Duke for a regulatory affairs type work, which could help. Do you know about this? I, I signed up for that. Yes. Ah. I'm so excited because, like I said, I had been wanting to um, get into regulatory. My experience as a coordinator. The places I was at, they always had their own regulatory associate. So, but I was always interested in that. And there was one particular place that I worked at where the coordinator um, did the regulatory maintenance, like the for whatever study I, I was assigned to, I had to do regulatory maintenance on that particular study. And I really enjoyed it when I did that. So um with my layoff, I had a lot of time to think about what I really wanted to do in my next role. I applied mm -hmm. to lots of um, like assistant jobs, uh, coordinator jobs, but then I, I said to myself, I really want to start applying for entry role, uh, entry level roles in regulatory. And this particular program, somebody had posted it on LinkedIn saying they were offering a free course, a, a free training program. And I was excited. I signed up and it, it wow. helped, helped because they covered an area for medical devices. And it, yeah, the, this sounds like something I should do too. Reg affairs, like through mm -hmm. the small CRO stuff we get here and there. Our sponsors always have the reg affairs people, but once in a while we'll get a small, very small sponsor that doesn't and ask questions. And I usually tell them, well, that's regulatory affairs. I don't do that, but I can get a consultant who charges a lot and they'll tell you. So usually they don't have the budget for that, but if I maybe I'll take this class. Thank you, Patty. By the way, I'm supposed to interview Patty soon. Patty's coming on. Do you know Patty, Karina? Uh, no. If not, this is a LinkedIn. Look, guys, this is networking. We connect. Yes. We connect. This is why it's so important to do these things live. And one of the reasons I wanted to interview you, and I'm glad you agreed to do live. By the way, thank you, Karina. Um, it's other people are probably in the same situation that you were just. A few months ago where you know maybe it's not it wasn't care access but it's layoff the layoff have been happening and really it's from like these smaller dct type companies and mm -hmm. um maybe some very tech leveraged cro's um, so it's important to give people like strategies hope confidence like one of the things i got from this interview just interviewing you is confidence is a lot you know, if you don't if you don't have the right confidence, you can self sabotage your own outcomes. Like, yeah. you know, when you're telling me you bombed when they ask you like how do you feel about yourself or whether they ask something like that. I mean, <laughs> if you bomb something like that, that's just pure confidence right there. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, gee, I'm so glad you got this role. Um, we we could get into, and then Patty says, "Nice to meet you, Karina." Soon, soon. Nice Love regulatory affairs. And yeah. also, Patty says, "FDA.gov has post marketing training via SBIA." I don't even know. I don't know this stuff. Okay. I'll check this out, Patty. Thank you, Patty. I don't even know what SBIA is, but. It seems important if Patty's uh, posting it. Patty's another one who's active in the comments and mm -hmm. definitely someone everyone needs to, needs to get to know. Um, we also got to have you, Patty, on Latinos and Clunker Research as a guest. We got to make that happen. But I want to interview you first. Um, LinkedIn user says, would a master's degree in regulatory pharma and med devices and pharmacovigilancy and drug safety certificate help to get a job in regulatory? I have five years experience as a pharmacist and I want to transition to industry. You guys already know my answer, but I'm going to have Karina answer this one. Well, does it help to get a job in regulatory? Um, I have not been, so I have a bachelor's degree in biology uh, my emphasis was pre-med. I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think the experience, yeah. Pharmacist. And once they get into research, I get surprisingly a lot of pharmacists message me something similar to this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, and because they're so... Like, they got to be a pharmacist by getting degrees and education, and that's what they're used to. But in our world, it's you have more than enough degrees, mm -hmm. guy or gal. I don't know who this is. You don't need this anymore. You experience need... is what you need. Yes. The experience, for sure. The yep. problem with pharmacists, right? I don't know this person's situation at all. But most pharmacists make decent money. They just they don't find their work fulfilling, and uh, like they make pretty good money in some cases. In order for them to get their, they'll eventually could get a dream job in research reg affairs, but they got to take some steps back. Like they're gonna have to take the role you have, or even a few before you, like, and climb their way up. And a lot of them they just can't do it. Pharmacy school is not cheap got to pay off those student loans mm -hmm. like they, they're just they're trapped um and here's patty chimes in it would help but your farm d would get you in the door i think so and also medical writing pharmacovigilance um medical monitor assistance or something like there's roles for you but you just got to network you gotta apply and they're saying i'm simply not happy with my retail job I'm unhappy and I get jobs as a floater. Uh, I know. And I feel I feel for you because, like, I get approached by a lot of pharmacists. I was pre-pharmacy at one point. And I know. I know how it is. Like, I, I interned at a few pharmacies back in my day. And I saw the guys, unless you own the pharmacy, like, it's not very fulfilling. Like, most patients don't really ask too many questions. Um. I don't know. It's tough, but it's definitely doable. LinkedIn user that's a pharmacist. Message me. Message Patty. This is why we're here on LinkedIn to help each other out. Uh, look, Patty's already throwing out more acronyms that, that I've never heard of that would help you. I'm going to write this down, too, to give to other pharmacists. Maybe once a week a pharmacist messages me something similar. Um, no student loan. That's very good. Okay, so now you don't have... Look, start applying, start networking. Patty and Karina would be the first people on my list. James Fowl would be on there. And just start applying. Message me, too. Uh, message me. We'll see what we can do. Uh, Anita says, I was laid off April 26th from Care Access. I was fortunate to have had a company contact me from my Indeed profile. I started my new patient recruitment specialist job today. A former Care Access coworker started today too. Everyone, keep the faith. A door will open for you. Thank you for sharing, Anita. And 
You know what, Dan? Yeah. The after I modified my LinkedIn profile, I did start to see recruiters um, reaching out to me. So it's kind of like make sure you tailor your LinkedIn profile with the experience and kind of put in there what you if you know if you're on the job market, uh, put there very clearly what types of roles you're looking for because I did start to receive a lot of um, like messages from recruiters or hiring firms um, asking me, are you on the job market? Um, I have this role available here or there, uh, contract roles. I did start to see a lot of that. So I would definitely say if you are currently on the job market, um, get with somebody, reach out to James Fowl. Um, James Fowl is a Get your LinkedIn profile where it looks good and uh, get rid of your fluff words, put in your, you know, what, what the experience that you have and what you're looking for that. James. Your advantage for sure. James Fowl, we got to go live again. This time I would love to interview you and your wife together and mm -hmm. we could just field the questions. Karina, I was going to say about recruiters. Recruiters are so important to this industry. Once you find the good one. Like mm -hmm. James and his wife. I know like a few others. There's like another recruiter that works specifically for a biotech. Um, and she moved from a similar company to a biotech. Like these cream of the crop ones are worth networking with. So yes, you're hired. And anyone watching, not just you, Karina, anyone watching, you're hired. You still network with these people, right? Yes. The more experience you gain the more valuable you become to these recruiters so now you're gonna know and god forbid like i think you're fine for the time being but something happens where you let's say you got lucky and it was another care you got unlucky was another care access well you got more experience you're that much more desirable to these recruiters and you can let them know hey you know i'm not liking this role can you find something for me this recruiter, I think it was even James that told me, you know their ideal candidate, Karina and anyone watching? The, a job recruiter's ideal candidate is someone still working for someone else. He did tell me that, yes. He did. I knew it was him. I learned something <laughs> yeah. or two from these guys. No, because I had my green banner. The <laughs> and after I uh, hung up the uh, on that video call with him i took that green banner off <laughs> those green banners are yes i'm glad i maybe that's a good like if you get nothing else from this video those green banners no bueno okay like the a recruiter's favorite candidate someone that doesn't need a job so think about your next job in your current job all right that's probably the best advice I can give. Um, okay, who else? Let's see. And there's so much information out there. It's it's you might hear something one from one source and then something totally different from another source. So I would definitely say reach out to those like you're talking, like James for sure that knows uh, exactly what's going on out there on the job market and how to make yourself more marketable to uh, recruiters or, uh, you know, hiring managers. Yeah, you might, my mouse is charging, guys. So, Karina, I could see a few more comments, but you might have to scroll and see more. <laughs> but um, Kevin <laughs> says definitely, but better for regulatory CMC. I think project management or lateral transfer from CCRC is a good way for tier one or tier two. Rita says, with the few people I've spoken to in regulatory affairs, I get the impression that it's pretty hard to break into this field if you don't have prior regulatory experience. Do you agree? I agree. And I also think that's why Karina's in a great situation right now. The fact that you're in this role mm -hmm. just opened up a whole new lane for you. See, your thing... Your yours is pro your candidacy is great. It's I would say excellent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your bilingual is huge. You have research site experience at both privately owned sites and academic medical centers. You have that care access experience, which 
everyone might be thinking, oh, that was your bad thing. No. That's a DCT. Like, that's tech-filled. What kind of tech did you guys work with uh, at the Curex? So you probably fill all kinds of stuff you, like, played around with. Yeah, it's it's amazing. That was uh, the first time I had worked remotely in research, so I, I didn't know what to expect. But just everything is so everything works so smoothly with all the technology that they use and i was just blown away um yeah so you have that you have tech which is by the way just getting started site centric tech that stuff's not going away yeah care access may have failed but that technology is just beginning and now you have sponsor site so now you have like all this info and experience from the site side including tech and now you have regulatory. You're starting your journey on the regulatory on the sponsor side. So your your situation is excellent. Uh, any other questions that are interesting there? Um, Can you actually put them on the screen? I can't believe my mouse died. You can't see them? Uh, oh, with my keyboard I can. This is the first, guys. Bear with me. Okay. I love having these kind of guests on there. Location plays a part. Needless to say, I didn't consider that when I moved. I assumed research was everywhere. Research is everywhere until it gets back to local. Like when you go through a I wouldn't say we're in a recession, although there's some people that think we're headed towards one. But we're definitely we're coming out of a hot market going into a normal market. And when interest rates go up, companies start tightening their spending. And the first thing that goes is like this new stuff that's unproven, like tech, uh, unless it's really practical and it's already proven itself. So all this remote stuff, like Amanda, who moved somewhere where there's not too many jobs, like Karina's proof that there are remote roles, but she also paid her dues by having site, like on-site experience. Um, sure. But but the remotes, like companies get really pragmatic when interest rates go up. It's crazy how that is, but they can they get real practical. Jesse Molina says you create your own value, just how to learn how to articulate it. That's right. Yes, I totally believe that. Raps. What is this raps? This is like more things I never heard of. Uh, and Patty says small business and industry assistance learn from free education. Wow. And then raps. Raps is great, especially the device training. So raps. I don't know what that is. Do you? I do not know. <laughs> well, there we go. We're both learning something here. <laughs> you know, it's funny because in research, um, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. Me too. I've been <laughs> doing this 18 years. <laughs> Four things came up. It's three from one person, one from another. Um, Reg Affairs Professional Society, says Patty. There you go. Maybe that's something we can both join together. Mashkan says, it's been two months that I have been out of a job. It has been the hardest two months. It's either you need a bachelor's or a degree. Uh, a degree certainly helps, but it all depends on your experience. If you have any research experience, you can leverage that. It's just learn from Karina. Look. She lost track of how many interviews and applications and all rejections. Were there any that accepted you that you didn't accept? Or was this the first one that accepted you? As far as job offers, um, see, no job offers. There was one that I interviewed for one role and it was not, it didn't pay very well. And the job description, as I was interviewing, she was telling me the job description. She was trying to get a feel for if I would really want to take that role or not. So she went straight uh, 
she was very open with the salary and um, you know, she asked me what, what's your range. And I told her and she said, well, I don't think this role, um, this role pays this much. And it was down there, like no bueno. <laughs> so there so, were some roles that you, that you did not, you just could not do financially. Only just that one. Yeah. But okay. other than that, yes. Um, nothing that I like turned down. Okay. I had interviews, nothing really led to a, to a job offer. Um, okay. So I'm convinced this one was meant to be, but it was meant to be mm -hmm. uh, regular, sorry, regulatory affairs, professional society is wraps. There you go. Let's join together, mm -hmm. Karina. Yes. I don't know what I'll get out of it, but uh, let's do it. Let's do it and that's another lesson. Like always stay current, like look for these free things like this Duke mm -hmm. thing. I'm probably going to really do that. And then this wraps thing. I'll let you join that Karina. Tell me if it's worthwhile. Okay. <laughs> then, then we'll do that. Uh, and Patty said 32 years in the industry for her. Wow. Congrats, Patty. You got to come on the show. What mm -hmm. were you going to say, Karina? Oh, I'm sorry. I think we have to be proactive. Um, I started in this industry later in life. Um, I did uh, research, so it was not even on my radar. Um, this is not what I had planned to do originally, but um, once I discovered it, I did take, like I started taking steps to make myself marketable to apply to an entry level research role. So I took a phlebot phlebotomy class um, and, you know, to make myself marketable, um, they did like CPR there. Uh, so what were you before the research? Like what, what industry were you in? I had, I had several jobs previously that were more like clerical administrative type roles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause you were pre-med. You're like me, you're pre-med, got a bachelor's in some biology thing and, uh, the pre-med thing never worked out. Well, <laughs> it didn't work out for me. What's that? The pre-med thing never worked out for me. I ended up graduating, but was, I had no chance of medical school. That's why I got into research. Okay. You know, a lot of people in the industry end up in research. Uh, from my experience, when I talk to people, just not really planned on getting into that field. And it kind of happens by accident. Almost everyone. <laughs> yeah. Almost everyone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, some of these comments are still good. Um, Reg Affairs Professional Society. Uh, in the meantime, Mashkan, we got everybody go connect now that my mouse works again. Okay. Everyone go connect with Mashkan and Mashkan message me. Okay. Send me your CV. We'll see. Maybe there's someone out there. I'll at least put you in touch with James if I think he can help you in any way. He helped. Uh, even though you didn't get a job through him, he helped you out a lot. And you, it's always good to have recruiters uh, that you're that you are uh, networking with. Generative AI is rapidly growing and needs to be regulated. The RAPS device certification is globally recognized certification that demonstrates your knowledge and expertise in the regulatory field. So there you guys go. Let's uh, maybe Karina will do that one, and I'll do the Duke one. Uh, <laughs> yeah we'll share notes and see what uh so congrats karina thank you so much for thank coming you. on i think we will definitely gotta have you on again is there anything else hey guys they put any more comments down there if you want we got a, like a few more minutes but anything else that we didn't say that you wanted to say i guess as far as uh, for those that are, because I, I do have a lot of my former colleagues um, added as connections and I see their banner on there and um, I just would say to them, don't feel like, I know you will have discouraging days and I, I it's awful, but don't lose hope and um, stay optimistic and continue to network and um really hone in on those jobs that you feel that you would be a good fit for. Um, I think I, in the beginning, I was just so focused on getting my next job immediately that I applied, applied, applied to positions that maybe I didn't meet all of the criteria or maybe met 50, 60% of the criteria, but um, really hone in on the ones that you feel you meet 80, 85% of the criteria. 
um, and keep networking, for sure, keep networking and reaching out to people in the industry. Um, I, yeah. I, told you I, I met several people who I actually had phone calls with and texts and they would uh, send me job leads. And it, it's just really encouraging when you feel there's like a community, it's virtual, but there's this community that is sending you leads. Um, I had a lot of that, a lot, a lot. People I don't even know telling me, wow. um, I will uh, tell my hiring manager that you're looking or I will keep an eye out if there's a CRC opening. There's just so many people that reached out and I, I wasn't expecting that because previously I was not a LinkedIn um, community user. I wasn't involved. <laughs> But now I am and I will continue to be. So I would just say continue reaching out and networking. <laughs> well, Karina's LinkedIn's underneath. So you can have people hitting you up now. And um, um, <laughs> we'll do part two, part three. Everybody go connect. If you're listening, her LinkedIn's in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, on LinkedIn, I'll tag her. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put her link right now. Um, go connect. Thank you so much, Karina. Congratulations. We're going to have to do part two and part three and your career is just getting started. Sure. Thank you. Thank like, you. Like, subscribe, comment, share everybody. Bye-bye.